The green reed which bends in the wind is stronger than the mighty oak that breaks in the storm. Confucius. Bending Not Breaking, Episode 18, The Water Bending Master. Sunshine Mayfield. And I am Ben Pruitt. And it is episode 18, The Waterbending Master. The Waterbending Master. What? Ben, how's your week been since the last time we recorded? It's been mediocre. Just fine? Yeah. I would say we, we, we had the 4th of July. That was fun. Uh, we had, uh, what else? I we, baked terrible things. You tried to bake a croissant. And it was a total fail. You messed up. I also baked other good things, though. You, you baked molasses cupcakes. cupcakes that were really just like brownies. Why are we talking about this? People want to know you a little bit better sometimes. Eh, I really? Said, I said sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes people want to know you a little bit better. That's kind of cool. Yeah. To those of you who want to know me, thanks. Yeah, check him out on his website. It's uh, bumble.com backslash Ben Pruitt. I don't have a bumble. <laughs> I've seen it. So. I, I have deleted it. Hey, there's nothing wrong with it. It's People swipe for love. That's a thing. I'm not against it. I'm I just saying I'm not. for a long time. I'm just not doing it. All right. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to the episode, The Water Bending Master. What'd you think? Ooh, yeah. You know, um, I have this. I have a question about master and what, what does it mean to be a master because I question that. I have similar I have similar questions about that, so we'll dive into that in just a second. But before we get to that, descending, descending word, word recap. recap. Yep, that's right. And we've got three words. You have three words. Yeah. I've got three words to recap it's this super entire tough. episode. Um, I, all right, I'm going to go with it. Three words. Yep. Elderly men fail. Elderly men fail. That's it. That's all. Yeah. There's a lot of other things that happen in this episode. Sometimes. Yeah, but I only have three words, and I feel like that that kind of encompasses each part of the story. Ah, uh, elderly. Elderly men fail. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I say that, so like because we've got this water bending master. Who Aang is going to see. Who is elderly. I, would you call Zhao elderly? Maybe adult men fail. Yeah. That might be a better recap. It, relative to the gang. Yeah. Get it? <laughs> yes. Right? But, like, but in terms, like, he's elderly to the gang. Elder Aang's 112, so is he elderly? To me, elderly is like Evil. 65 and up. Okay. Zhao might be there. He's probably like is 50. It, I'd say Zhao's in his 40s. Yeah, possibly. It's yeah, yes. Maybe even late thirties. So adult men fail. If you've got a better three-word recap for this episode, I'd love to hear it. it at us. Uh, we would love to see your tweets at the Archive. Um, also, guess where you can find this episode uh, and all the other episodes? Spotify. It's on Spotify. It's on Spotify. In fact, go follow us. The movie arc, the TV arc. Um, 
the Vespers Project. That's right. The music arc, all of it is on Spotify. You just search those things and then follow it. Boom, every episode right to your listening device, which is awesome for that. So do that. Super cool. Yeah, and then while you're there, uh, you know, swipe on over your Twitter or your Instagram and hit us up at the Arc of E because, um, you know, we've got things to do. So let's talk more about this episode and, and going forward. Uh, a lot happens. Sure, uh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Things happen. Let's, let's first start at the Northern Water Tribe. That's where the episode is. Oh, that makes yeah. sense for a good uh, starting place. Um, Sokka criticizes Appa's flight height. Really? Uh, yes, early on in this episode. Um, and Aang fires back with a, a very snarky remark. Yeah. But they're saying Aang uh, was flying a little bit low. Yeah. Um, wasn't he? It depends on your person, your perception, right? Yeah, we've had this argument before, though. Is there are times where Aang flies off a lower than maybe needs to be. Sure. Um, in, in ways that, like, he could have stayed above cloud cover, or he could make sure he's out of sight, and then sometimes he's a little bit I mean, honestly, too low, it, it, it's, it's, it's an unnecessary risk in the eyes of Sokka. Yeah, yeah, It also seems like they're both a little bent out of shape. Oh, we should, we should mention that. Yeah. We should mention our lens. Yeah. I messed up. Yeah, I'm gonna be flexible right now and and saying that I made a mistake and and that I messed up. I'm gonna redirect where we're going. What's our lens, Ben? Yeah, our lens is bending. Bending. We're looking at this whole episode through a lens of bending. Which, when you thought about that, what as you watch this episode, what form of bending, quote unquote, took place for you? Yeah, and I think here's the deal. Whenever we do do a lens, it's not always about like what's the one way that you looked at it. I think that the whole joy of doing this this way, by watching these episodes in this way, is that you can look at one word and with many lenses. Oh, absolutely. Right? And so you can look at it in the sense of, you know, the ability to control matter without touching it is, you know, the urban dictionary version of what bending is. Right. Versus bending, is it like that you, as you kind of described, oh, I'm going to be flexible here. Is it that you're flexible and yeah. that you're not the mighty oak that snaps, but rather the tree that is able to bend in the wind? Um, so more flexible, more malleable, more uh, bendable. Yeah. Or are we looking at it just in terms of the show kind of looks at it as bending? Yeah. Are we moving things around? Yep. And bending. And I think yes. And the answer is yes to all of those things. Yeah. Flexibility ended up being probably the more prominent one that I... I think they both on. came up. I think it'll be interesting um, to see. But yeah, so we get all of this. They're at the Northern Temple. They see, they meet people. They're, they're friendly. Everything's going well. They get, a, you know, a nice lobster boil going on. Aang finds a master in Master Paku. Sure. Um... And Katara's jazzed about it. Yeah, she gets to learn waterbending for the I first time. I get to learn some real waterbending attacks. Yeah. And Paku says, like the little rascals, little treehouse, no girls allowed. Yeah, tough. Super tough. So, and here's, and here, I'm going to play a little bit of uh, the DA here, a little bit of the devil's advocate. Dumbledore's army. Dumbledore's army. Um, I don't think that plays in what I'm saying, but Katara, could she have not have bent a little bit when she gets told, like, no, you don't get to fight? 
why not bend in that moment and say, oh, I can learn this new skill that I didn't learn? Or say, no, I'm here to fight. Like, why does she get to not bend in that moment? Or should she have? And I mean, she does, like, right, she does. She goes and she, she go, does the healing, and it's not really her calling. Yeah, so I think this ties into a question that I asked later in the episode. But when, so later in the episode, uh, you know, when Katara and Aang starts teaching Katara, like, right. everything that Aang learns, he starts to teach Katara, he gets found out. And Paco's like, like, we're done. And says, well, I'll let you come back to learn from me if she apologizes. Right? Mm -hmm. And he he says, I'm waiting, little girl. And I I bristled. (laughs) And I'm like, uh uh. (laughs) And like, so how do we know when to bend our pride? versus when to stand up against an unjust situation. And that's the question, right? Well, because the quote that I said earlier makes a lot of sense, right? Like, the reed is not going to get broken by the wind. The tree might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't go pick a reed up and break... Or I can't go pick a tree up and break it with my hands. I can do that with a reed. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, at some point it's better to be the oak, and at some points it's better to be the reed. Yeah, one of my favorite Brene Brown quotes from her uh, one of her recent books, Braving the Wilderness, is we have to have a strong back, a soft front, and a wild heart. Oh, I love that quote. Well, and I think it encompasses what we're talking about. There are times where we need to have a strong back. But when we have those conversations where we have our boundaries that we need to hold and stand firm, we also need to do it with a soft front and be willing to bend and be moldable and malleable to the way that the person we're engaging with needs to hear the message we're trying yeah. to send. You hold people accountable, you approach it with compassion and with empathy, but you still hold true to what exactly. you're holding true to, right? And here's the deal. In this situation right now, Paku and Katara are both unyielding. They're both strong back, not soft front. Correct. Right? They're both strong back. And what's happened, and what's going to happen is one of them's going to break, yes. right? Or one of them is going to bend. And sometimes when you think about putting two stiff objects together and you press them together and you, like, you're trying to get one of them to bend, ultimately one is either going to break or it's going to start to bend. And sometimes it just depends on what the stuff is made of. If right. you're made of a material that is going to break, then ultimately you're broken and might remain broken forever. But if you're bending, you might bend, but it's still possible for you to be bent back into shape. Right. right. So Paku's got this instance of like tradition and everything else that he's fighting, that he's, he's charging. Tradition! For. Tradition. Tevya. Fiddler on the North Pole. Um, he is <laughs> he's saying tradition, right? And so we get to this well, all right, before we go to tradition, should Katara have apologized? And I don't I don't think so. Not with the way that he was approaching the situation. When somebody says to me, I'm waiting, little girl. Yeah, the answer is no. The answer is you absolutely, absolutely not. Yet. So I agree, right? She broke the rules. She she broke the rules and she stood firm and I'm I'm fine with the way that everything played out. Right? Sure. Um, she got lucky that he discovered that he loved her grandmother. But, yeah. but other than that, like... He absolutely should have been the one to say, hey, let's talk about He's the master. And She's that's my 14, question. Right? Like, yes. He should, and I think I probably wrote down the same question, which is, are you really that good of a master if your entire life you've refused to bend on aspects of your learning, of aspects of the way that you teach? 
if you refuse to do things differently, well, at a certain point, you're going to become irrelevant. Well, it's also interesting to think about this. The, the, the word master is thrown around a lot in this show. So, like, Aang has to master all four elements, right? And that took the other avatars a lifetime to do. Aang is not mastering these elements. He is learning how to bend them and bend them fluently uh, and consistently and is able to uh, have control, but mastery, mm -hmm. the things that Roku does, that Aang never does that, except right. for when he's in the Avatar state. Right. And Avatar state is like him out of control anyway. Yep. And so it's one of those things where I think that I have trouble with the, the show's use of the word mastery. And so like Paku may be a very, very gifted waterbender, but to, to me, mastery, it involves more like i think a master needs to be able to not just have control over the element it's not just total control over the element i think it's um more than that and i don't know exactly what that is but that's what it is for me it might be something outside of even controlling that specific element right yeah. like it might so I, it's almost what I'm hearing you say is almost a boss versus a leader type of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so like, sure. Um, and that's not a perfect analogy, but like, one is yes, they have experience, they have an understanding, they know how things work. But if you can't get other people on board with it, or yeah. or lead, then are you really that effective as a boss? Correct. And the answer might be no. And so for him, it's the question that I have is, all right, he is so not bending on pretty much anything you see in this episode. Yeah. He's very little flexibility. My way or the highway, 100%. Yep. And I wonder if he's been like that his entire life. And if he has been, has he missed several opportunities to grow and learn and be even better? And is he now not going to be able to teach any students that he's teaching that same thing? And so is he just a really good vendor or is he actually a master of what he's doing? That's And that was my question. Yeah. I agree. And I wonder what y'all think. If you're listening and you have thoughts, I'd love to hear it. Well, I mean, we've had bosses before, and I think most people have had bosses before that you respect, and then you have probably several that you don't. And they're not, and it's Truth. because they didn't have the experience. It's not because they weren't working in the field for 20 years that you didn't respect them. You're right. It's because they treated people poorly, or mm -hmm. they treated you poorly, or they didn't adjust their learning, or they didn't adjust their teaching. And so at a certain point, you become ineffective. And if your whole purpose, which my understanding of masters in the avatar world your entire purpose is to teach yeah is to teach other people how to do these things and so if you're unwilling to learn new strategies and that then like are you failing as a master i would say probably and then i even go back so like the reason i said elderly men fail or adult men fail is we, we even get moments with zhao and, and yep. we also get moments with iroh iroh doesn't fail okay but in the context of this episode, not knowing what happens in the next episode. Four seasons. Yeah, I, first of all, love that song. Um, <laughs> but if his job is to protect Zuko, yeah. you would say at the end of this episode that he failed. That he didn't protect Zuko. Um, as for Zhao, we know that he fails because of later episodes, but he has tried to cheap shot Zuko or cheap shot his way into glory yeah. several times. Sure has. And has failed every single time. Well, 
he's failed every single time that we have seen. It right. begs the question that he must be where he is right now for a reason. And if that is his pattern, I wonder if he has been successful in his prior attempts and we're just seeing the fails. Possibly. Right? But if I'm building off of snapshots and building trends off of the data that I'm given, sure, he is failing almost 100% of the time. Yep. Um, and, the same, and so, like, he is... I saw that as a refusal to bend to change his style to, to equal success. If his goal was to either catch the Avatar or to help support the Fire Nation, he is not doing a good job of this. And it's partly due to the fact that he refuses to change his style when it comes to leading and pushing this army forward. So we're not rooting for them, but if you're looking at that isolate like in an isolated vacuum, he is not succeeding when it comes to his goals sure so he fails as well that was why my recap was the way it was and then of course i felt that paku was a uh, failing as a master yep in the way that he was teaching yeah so well i just feel like he's just con- he is consistently unbending like he's so determined and set on one goal zhao is and like this idea of being determined is really interesting because i often have questioned that word like is that a is that a positive thing yeah to be determined you're so determined i love that but it's also like determination to a fault in the sense that he is so determined he is so set on this goal and and achieving it his way right and so i totally i agree i mean he's definitely failed well because i mean you think about any other team you're on right you can't do it alone one of our number one rules you can't go at things alone yep like sometimes you can but Sometimes it's nice to have people to, to be there to support, but you gotta use their information and their knowledge. Uh, have a little bit of humbleness, which humility. Yeah, humbleness. Is that a word? Pretty sure it's humility. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know humility is a word, but like, could humbleness also be a word? Yeah, I want to show you some humility now and say that it could be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't play Scrabble often, um, but humility is one of the core tenets of an ideal team player according to uh, Patrick Lynchoni. Lynchoni. You're right. Um, and we see that Paku doesn't have a lot of humility. At least not in, not, not that we see. Not what we're seeing in yep. him. And Zhao, not a lot of humility. A little to none seen from him as well. And would they be more successful in what they're trying to achieve if they showed some? I would say yeah. You would think that the answer would be yes to Absolutely. that Absolutely. Um, can you think of any either fictional outside of Avatar or in real life um, leaders or, or, or characters that have experienced kind of similar things and, and how that's played out? Can you pinpoint any that have that have failed because of their inability to, to show humility? Uh, I put you on the spot. This wasn't a question we prepped. I'm just saying, like, I just was curious if you could pinpoint anybody. I am. I am certain. That there are examples. Let's give a here's a, here's a little fun little thing. Just top ten people who should have been more humble. And, I mean, and tweet that at us. I'm interested in these lists. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Tweet it at us. Like, what are the two of the top ten characters slash real life individuals that could have been more humble mm. to lead to their success? Voldemort. Yes, Voldemort would be a great example of someone who failed because of that. Um, Captain Ahab. Would Captain Ahab have been one who would have been more successful? I don't know. 
I never read that book, so that was yeah. Really just I didn't guess. either, so that I'm like, why did you bring that up? Anyway. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, so, but let's go. The reason that Paku gives for not being flexible, for standing firm, is because of tradition and. Talk, let's talk about tradition in a sense of I have bending. issues. I have issues with it. Right. So, are there benefits to traditions? Oh yeah. Talk to me about some of those. Okay. So, I'm a big fan of ritual in general. Like, I love having a routine. That's something that's really helpful for me. I like structure. I like knowing what's coming. Um, and so, when I like, we both have a summer camp background. So, I yeah. love going back to summer camp and knowing that. I know what's going on because they're they're going to do the same thing after dinner on that Friday night when we get there or on, also, on Sunday night when we arrive. We also know for kids in the summer camp setting, like, like structure and tradition, yes. build a very successful. That doesn't yeah. mean like it doesn't mean everything is the same, but you have activities at a certain time. You have swim time at a certain time. Yep. Those activities get to change up and be different, but like the structure is there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, traditions like. Every Christmas, you visit your family and you do this thing. Sure. Right? What's the benefit to those types of things? Well, again, it kind of builds this, like, grounding almost, this foundation for you. It gives you a chance, in a sense, to really lean into knowing what's coming and knowing that uh, this is something that you can cherish and value because you know you only get it once a year. And so if you know that, if you know that it's uh, once a year kind of a deal it's something that you can appreciate more because it builds the fact that you're not experiencing that for the rest of your year. Um, so yeah, there's just, there's a lot of benefits to tradition. And tradition sucks. Yeah. Can there be a lot of downsides to tradition? 100%. Yeah. And this is a great example from this episode, right? There's this tradition in this tribe right now that they don't teach waterbending to women. And it seems like they're missing out frankly on all of the potential like who are we to say how people should live their lives like you cannot learn this skill because of your gender right are they missing out on really great healers because only women heal yeah what a what potential guys could be uh and then frankly let's talk about really great warriors because yeah exactly allowing women to fight and frankly gender in and of itself is really a a tough a construct because for the people who don't identify as either male or female in this situation like where do you go do you have to conform and do you are you forced to pick are they going to force people to go by their gender assigned at birth I, I just there's so many different ways this could go are they allowing people to go to the um skill to which they identify based off their gender what about the people who don't have a conformed gender i just there's just so much to unpack well and so that's there's multiple constructs in there right like yeah. one you uh, you're either this gender or this gender yep right two because of that you're either this profession or this profession yep and you're failing in multiple steps along the way. So many of steps, that. and well, and that tradition might have stemmed for a like a good reason in its originality. It might have been in its original conception something that was keeping people safe, right? It had good intentions, right? But at the same time, if we don't allow ourselves to change and adapt to new situations, then we we are being held back by said traditions and that's a problem well and can't traditions change like if the core value stays the same 
can't traditions like the actual act of this tradition, right? So you, uh, you your tradition uh, as a family on Christmas or on, on Thanksgiving or Hanukkah or whatever it might be, your tradition is to do X activity together. Well, then you realize that X activity isn't really inclusive of everybody. Yeah. And so does it then change to a different activity? But the tradition is still serving a purpose of our tradition is bonding around this holiday time. That's the point. That's the purpose. Sure. And then you move forward. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, okay, we play Candyland at every Christmas, except Candyland's really boring to adults, right? And so all of a sudden... Speak for yourself. The Chocolate Swamp gets me every time. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, lots of replay value. Cool, 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 cool. So <laughs> here's the deal. What we have is a lot of people, adults, find... Candyland to be boring. A lot of children find Candyland to be boring, but let's say for funsies that these kids really enjoy playing this game and we play it every Christmas until all of a sudden, okay, it's time for Candyland. And then people are really annoyed that they have to play Candyland because it's a tradition. It's like, okay, great. Because it's no longer something that people are finding joy in. Right. The original concept was to create joy. Probably original concept was let's keep them busy. Yes. Right? But in general, like what's fostering joy right now? And if it ceases to do that for the people that are participating we have a problem it's right if it fails to achieve its original purpose and if we're not it then we're we're messing up right or what if its original purpose was wrong here here right so if the original purpose was we don't let these individuals vote then yeah that should probably change but it's tradition Right, we, we we've both, been doing this for years right. and it's been working. Well, right, we've always done it this way is one of my least favorite things because it, we've always done it this way does not cut it if you're not digging into the, the perfect intention. <laughs> In of fact, I'm on. like, great, that's just giving me more reason to change it. Right. <laughs> you know, we, we used to tell ghost stories on a regular basis at camp. And if you ask our 80-year-old camp brethren, they would say, oh, tradition, love those ghost stories. Really weeded out the strong from the weak. I also like, think that it's not just the 80-year-olds. Right. Well, and then you get the people who said, I I did it. I was fine. Yeah. I, I experienced ghost stories, and I turned out great. And I would love to do it again and right. tell those stories. Exactly. But we've also experienced, like, but oh. we're But that is a position of privilege. Right. Right. I experienced this. I'm fine. You know, I feel like was, you get that comment with, like, spanking. Yep. I was spanked. Made me stronger. Made me stronger. Made me who I am today. I, I, myself, personally, was spent as a child. I like to think that I turned out fine. I might not be, but I think that I'm fine. And I still don't think that's going to be something that I continue with because I don't really believe in physically harming other people. Yeah. That's outside of my values. Sure. So... Is that a tradition that I should change, even though every person in my family was spanked in their lives? Yeah, probably. It's not serving the purpose that I think it's meant to be serving anymore. I think when you know better, you do better. And when you know better, you do better. And and frankly, I think we have learned through extensive working with children, working with like positive learning styles, learning styles in general, we have learned that that is not a, something that changes it changes behavior but it changes behavior at the expense of shame and like trauma and x y and z and so we've learned that frankly that's worse right and so because of that we know better we know that that's not something we want to perpetuate and continue and right. so we're not gonna right whereas some people don't 
learn that. They're not exposed to the fact around that ghost stories hurt other people. Right. Right? In that in the camp setting. In that exactly. setting, yeah, right? Correct. So it's and it's one of those things where that's it's our responsibility not to act with just our lens when we are thinking about making a decision that affects multiple people. We have to put the stakeholders for whom we are making the decision at the center of the lens. Yeah. Absolutely. If it is not serving its purpose or if its purpose is wrong, we need to change it. Absolutely. And it can still be the same tradition. It can still be, like, if the, again, if the activity changes, but it's serving the same purpose, it's still the same tradition. What was it? You were listening to a podcast. Always. Uh, the Sacred Harry Potter Sacred Text, one we've mentioned on here before. Many times. And I, you played me a segment of it, and one of the things that I really enjoyed was the tradition of marriage. Yep. And how that has ultimately shifted and changed. Drastically over time. From its first conception of what marriage was, to what it was in the Middle Ages, to what it was in 1900s, to what it is now. You still sit there and say, this is a wedding, this is marriage. Yep. But it's changed drastically in its purpose and, and what it is. Absolutely. So it's still a tradition of marriage, but it has life and joy and sparks joy in, in other people. And so we get to say this is the tradition of marriage. If it stopped doing that, if it didn't change, if it was still the same construct of marriage as it was at the beginning of things, we all would probably be down with not enjoying that tradition anymore. Yeah, but it was more like the reason it was brought up in the podcast was more about the this idea of heterosexual marriage versus homosexual marriage yes. versus marriage period, right? And so that's the the original conversation here is that marriage, like in its form over time, has changed drastically from X to Y. And so at this point right now, we're at a place where people are still uh, having issues with this concept of marriage. But when you look at it, it is still this it is recognizable as marriage right correct we are labeling it as not okay by calling it gay marriage right it's still marriage right and so one of the things that we have to realize is that people are calling it out by naming it that is something out of the original like idea and by calling that out that's what they have problems with so the people that have problems have problems with the fact not with this idea of like love because they recognize it as love they see these people love each other right but the problem is they have issues with the fact of the, the choices they're making and so they have to find other issues with it besides the fact that it's just marriage that's the core of the question that's happening right right so how does that translate into this episode teaching people based off of their gender is a similar thing like yeah. you're making a decision it's not that they can't learn this skill. They would be able to learn this skill and achieve or it. Or excel at it. And potentially even do better than some of the other people that would be gifted with this. Correct. Right? But, and we recognize that Katara can bend. We see that she's gifted. And he's not willing to teach her. Which is, it's, it's an act of defiance because he disagrees with this original concept of females learning. Not with her learning to bend. Here, and here's... The this is popping up to me in this moment as we're having the conversation about it. At some point, my guess is that there was a female water-based avatar. Several. It had to have been. 
Just statistically, there had to have been. Statistically, there's one next. Well, correct. But prior to that, like, there had to have been. Sure. And so... Over thousands of avatars? Which And exactly, which I don't get how you can sit there and say tradition is I'm not going to teach you how to do this when the precedent has been set probably several times before that, like, this should be a thing. But I wonder if, since the Fire Nation took out the Southern Water Tribe, I wonder if they were taught in the Southern tradition. So you're saying that if you think that all the female waterbending avatars... Maybe they all had Maybe to, they were all Southern? No. Maybe they were born in the North, but they were they had to learn in the South. Possibly. Maybe. Poss- maybe you're right. Who knows? I don't. Um, that's an interesting question to ask. We should tweet at... Uh, the Dragon Prince? Aaron E. has. Yeah, is that the creator? Yeah, he's one of one of see i need to do more studying sometimes on this you are more versed in the in avatar lore than i am yeah but so let's let's so ultimately you get a giant fight scene with katara and paku and for a master he's getting kind of tossed around a little bit he doesn't ever i don't know if she ever lands like a real hit on him and i don't know if he's toying with her throughout the whole thing but it is perceived to me that it's a pretty evenly fought match so my perception is that in the beginning especially he is like toying with her mm-hmm. then he's like oh she's talented she's pretty good. let me see let me and amp then, up my game a little and bit. then he, like and then when he amps it up she's done yeah like i think he's just like checking it out and being like ha 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 i'm gonna i'm gonna go as easy as i can so as not to embarrass her and as not to like show that i'm doing anything well, i mean he clearly is fine with embarrassing her which well is like, it, especially after he's like she's humiliated him and yeah. cheap shot it and things like that and then at the, and then she he's just like no and then locks her in an ice cage what did you feel about that line because i thought it was, i felt like it was corny the one was like you want to learn how to bend watch closely and you're just like all right cool that i feel like that was poor writing but like i don't know i i didn't mind it honestly um but yeah i think he was kind of like all right i'm gonna show you up and then yet so like it's like she aggravated him but he was still cool calm and collected through the fight because she was putting up a pretty solid fight Well, and i wonder if that's like he's a talented bender i'm not going to deny that right he's a very talented bender Mm -hmm. it's just the fact that i i think that in general i think that um talent alone here while Katara, like it's clear and the fact that she wants to learn from him so b- badly and that ang is learning from him is like he's clearly skilled like i don't think that this fight scene is indicative of his full skill and power correct um one of the things that you kind of mentioned there which also gets mentioned in the next episode um when katara and sandhook spar uh, Paku says raw talent alone is not enough. Yeah. Yet, sometimes it feels like he's kind of going off for raw talent. I mean, clearly he's learned and grown. But I like, think that he has probably, over the course of his life, been incredibly disciplined in his study of waterbending. Right? I don't think that it's just skill. I think he's equating that to being hard work. I think he's equating it to you have to practice you have to do all of these things in order to learn. Yeah, because in that episode alone, he's, he says that to Aang, who's like, makes himself into a snowman. Yeah, raw talent. And like, yes, but, so I get it, but at the same time, it, it, it seems like he's 
done learning or feels like he's done learning at a certain point which goes back to our question like as I feel like uh, you, you hear um, like professor complexes people who feel like because they're professors because they're teachers because they do like they know everything and they, it is very tough to get them to admit that like they might not sure um, but I'm interested in talking about Aang for a second let's do that so Aang's upbringing is uh, monkitude and so he, like, in this episode, he's incredibly bending. And I, I, he bends, he is the most bendy. Yes. And what I mean by that is every time something, like, somebody needs to bend, Aang is the first one to offer. He's like, uh, I think, um, when Katara's like, you know, I'll be outside if you're man enough to fight me. And he's like, you don't have to do this. Uh, like, I'll I'll make sure to apologize. And he's, he's, like, able and more accommodating and more able to bend and more willing to do that than she is. And it, I wonder if that's because of the way he was raised in his monkness. Is it because he's, like, literally, like, you know, doing yoga, meditating, etc. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's literally flexible, right? Um I just I think that's interesting that he's the one who is most willing to bend. Well, in this episode, really isn't about Aang. It's not. It's one of the first ones that has very little to do with Aang. Um, it also uh, we mentioned this last time the Bechdel test. Yep. I think this episode finally breaks that, but barely. There's a moment where Katara talks to the other healer, and they talk about bending for a hot second. Yeah, and except like, it's also about like. How women oh, you're are oppressed. A woman. Yeah. yeah. So like, maybe I don't know, but um, we just because we talked about it. But yeah, Aang is the most flexible in this moment. It really isn't about him. It was nice to see a Katara-centric episode. Yeah. Um, well, and I wonder if it's easier for him to be to to bend when he's again in the position of power and privilege. Right. Yeah, and I mean, and I'm gonna teach you all these things when I come home at night, and, and like, like he's a little bit of male saviorness yeah. going on there, like maybe I don't know. Um, but let's let's jump to Zhao. Mm, um, yeah, pirates or uh, Blow, high, blowing up Zuko. Well, yeah, but what is it? What do, what do they call themselves? We like to call call ourselves high risk traders. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so we got we got high risk traders, and we got Zhao, um, and they're gonna blow up Zuko. And I caught this, but Zuko, when the fire goes off, they set a bomb, the fire goes off, he curves the flames around him and creates an orb similar to the one that Aang uses when he freezes himself. Yep. You see it spin around him, and so in this moment, his bending saved his life. Yeah. He was able to bend the flames around him and keep him alive no one else knew that at the time even Iroh I think in this moment was like he was worried oh Zuko dang like my man's dead yep I think by the time that he goes and speaks to Zhao and is like very aware. I join I will join your I will be your general yeah um he definitely knows at that point that Zuko's still alive that's how he likely smuggles him onto the ship but correct but we don't know that until the future episode but Zhao is like, all right, I've succeeded. Yeah. I snaked Zuko and killed him. And I'm also weaseling this guy to be my general. Yeah, dumb. Yeah, not smart. He's a dumb man. Um, God, we just, clearly he is the villain of this season. 
For sure. Um, but he is... You would think it would be Zuko at the starting episode, so we know that that's just not the case. Yep, definitely fluid for sure. Um, but yeah, my big questions came around what are tradition and, and bending tradition and who needs to bend when. Um, is Paku a good master? Um, and, you know, Zhao's kind of the definition of insanity. You do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. And Yeah, but I think that's like in a literal sense. Like, I'm literally going to try and open the door the same way and it's not going to open. It's not going to open until you open the lo- until you it, turn the lock and then you realize that it is. But, but I, Could it not also be in a, if you're doing the same, if you're had the same style over and over again thinking it's going to I don't think you? Zhao is insane. No. I'm saying, just based off the definition of insanity, he is trying the same... Mo- his motives behind things are the same every time, and it is failing him. And I think that's different, again. right? Motive versus literally doing the same thing, different. I, I just don't think insanity is the best word here. Right. I, that's just... Sure. Yes. I think it could be. If you have the same motive every single time and it fails you, at some point you should say... I should probably change my motive of why I'm doing something. But see, I don't think that he sees it as failure. I don't think that he sees his things as failure. I think I think he sees them as failure. I think that he just doesn't attribute that the motive is the reason that he's failing. I think he knows he didn't capture the Avatar when he goes to the temple and speaks to and finds Avatar Roku. I think he knows that he didn't catch the Blue Spirit. I think he knows that he missed the Avatar again when searching... Um, the camp when Aang was trying to learn firebending. Like, I think he knows all of these things. He knows that they're failures. He just doesn't attribute that he's the cause of them. Yeah, I just don't think insanity is the right word. Sure. I think it might be. Listeners, thoughts? I'm interested in you corroborating me being right. So, next... It doesn't seem like you're uh, willing to bend on this one. Yeah, I'm not. So... uh, the only other thing that I wanted to bring up and have a conversation around was uh, in the middle of the episode, near, or I guess near the beginning of it, um, while Sokka, let's talk about Sokka and Yue for a second. Um, both non-benders in the show. Um, it's interesting to me that during the like opening ceremony when they were there, Sokka was sitting next to Yue, and this whole this bending show was up, and they were so uninterested. And because they were interested in talking to each other. Yeah, they're focused on each other the whole time. But I think it's interesting that the two non-benders were not impressed or interested in the very impressive bending show that was happening. Katara and Aang were very immersed in the what was going on, and these two were not. And I wonder if that's because they were non-benders. Like, does the fact that... Um, like, and it's one of those things where if I go to a piano recital, I play the piano. I'm like, wow, that was incredible. But for somebody who is a, who never played the piano before in their life, never heard piano, they go to that and they think it's super boring, right? Because they don't know the amount of technique required. They don't know all the little things required. They don't know the nuance of it. And so they're less interested. And so I wonder, like, I just think it's interesting because if we have no knowledge of something, does that mean... And does that equate to? What do you thought? What are your thoughts on that? I think you have to be in, like you have to have a spark of interest to actually be willing to be engaged in something, right? So is it? Is Sokka so unimpressed because he's been hanging out with Aang, who is an incredible bender on the air side of things, that he's like, yes, yeah, the same thing I've seen this. Before. Bending, bending, bending. Yeah, yeah, bending is bending, and it's bending, and I'm fine with it. 
multiplied by and I'm definitely interested in UA then so my attention is going to be there so not only maybe he's just like the bending is going on but it is such in his peripheral that it is he's missing it and had he you know paid attention to it he might have been more engaged well it's just interesting because there's a study out there not a study but an experiment that went out there with Joshua Bell who is a really famous violinist and was playing in the New York subway and was like passed by hundreds of potentially thousands of people with and made like you know you know 20 30 bucks on tips and then that night went to a concert where people paid a hundred dollars a ticket to go see him and had a sold out show right and it's one of those things where like that is really interesting for me to think about just in general well when you engage people they have to opt in right like they have to and so i didn't think for that's a moment of you know if you're having a conversation with someone like let's talk about gun control right Someone has to be interested in having that conversation for it to take place. And so, yep. um, Borsaka and them just so uninterested in having that conversation in that moment, not only because they're not benders, not only because they've probably seen it over and over again, but because they're also uh, more focused on the, the relationship that they're building with each other. Yeah, the only other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about with Sokka and UA is. They get to a point where UA starts to say, no, we can't hang out anymore. This is, I, I can't. And then Sokka's like, what? Uh-huh. What? <laughs> uh, and so it's interesting because I feel like uh, she knows that she can't marry anybody until, because she's committed to someone at mm-hmm. this point. Uh, she has been, um, she's engaged. And so. we find that out in the next episode we find, in, more, yeah. in more detail. But she's engaged and Sokka's like, Oh, but to this point, she has been bending to, like, I, I can make this work. I can make this work. I'm bending, bending, bending. And then she, like, nope, this is, I've bent too far. I can't go this far. And then she's bent back. So I, I think it's interesting, like, what are your thoughts on UA's actions? Do you think she was acting out of line? Was she doing the wrong thing by engaging Sokka at all? That's tough, and I wonder if that's tougher because it's a she might not have agreed with the commitment that was made for her, right? Like, if I set goals or if I set rules for you and you have no buy-in to them... Sure. Are you going to are you going to treat them with the same respect of if you do buy into them? Versus if she was like, no, I engage, I'm engaged with this person because I chose to be... Yeah. She would be more likely to shut it down and say, sorry, guy, like, I'm not going to engage in this. I don't think she was out of line. That's also culturally something I'm so unfamiliar with. Sure. That that makes it tough. I would say yeah. for me, if I were to, as someone who was in a committed relationship, if I were to do that, I would call myself out of line. Yeah. Like, but I think the context is different because of. Because you would disagree with the original, like, constraint. Right. Interesting. I, 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 I find that interesting. I don't know if there's a right answer. It's just my values are not in that, right? Like, it might be something that, like, no, when you commit to this, it means so much to you, family. Is it tradition? Tradition. Again, is that at its initial purpose, or is it be we're doing it because we feel like we're supposed to be? Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I just wanted to pose that question because I think it's interesting. Like, but I would say that in that sense, she was bending. Yeah. And she hit a line, and she was like, "I can't bend past this point." Well, and then once she got there, would that be would that be breaking? Would that be? I don't know if it's bending, not breaking. There it is. It's amazing this is, that hadn't come up in this episode yet, but um, yeah, I don't know what the right answer is. And we see more of their relationship moving forward, yep. and we find out that the engagement might not be the only reason that she is holding off on her feelings towards Sokka. She might know that there, she's got a larger purpose. Higher calling. Life. Yes. And so I think that probably plays into it even more so. Maybe. Maybe if she didn't have that higher calling, she would say, nope, I'm out. I'm going to bounce with Sokka and we're going to like... Or is it because she has that higher, higher calling, she can be like, I'm going to bounce on this commitment and do what I really want. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's irrelevant anyways. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Any other questions with this episode? Anything we need to touch on? Ultimately, at the end of the episode, Katara gets to learn how to bend with Paku. Yeah. And uh, we... I think my question is, did it change just for her? Or did it change for all women? Yeah. Did we ever get an answer to that? Which Or is, it just, is she the exception to the rule that stays in place? Which in that case, that's that's a bummer. Yeah. Or is it, no, the rules change. We're going to let people who want to learn, learn. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I hope the rule has changed. How humble of you. I hope. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be able to say, I don't know. But uh, if that's it for this episode, we'll be back in just a moment and we will talk about uh, what, what our focus this week is going to be on when it comes to uh, bending through the element of Earth. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Be right back. think of earth i think of stability i think of uh foundation i think of structure uh i think of nurturing uh, that's where all of our food comes from is when we grow it from the earth i think it's um there's a lot involved with earth it's yeah the foundation on which all of us grows and for me i think with with the lens of this episode as a as a leader someone who views myself as a leader I want to make sure that I am not immovable. I want to make sure that I am not so unable to bend or be molded that I am missing out on opportunities to learn and grow as a leader or in the way that I lead. And so looking at things that I feel are absolute truths in what I do or things that have to be done this specific way um, is are there different ways and different um, strategies to achieve those goals and so taking time this week in moments where i feel absolute like this is the 100 percent the way that it has to be done kind of checking myself and saying is that the case 
or are there better options? And just having a hyper-awareness about that as I go forward this week. Cool. Yeah, for me, I think uh, what came to mind is that original quote that you read for us. Um, I think that the mighty oak can is like is like it breaking is tough right but in order for that oak tree to stand firm it needs to be rooted into the ground Mm -hmm. and so i'm thinking about like what are the the roots that i need to plant myself into stable ground so that i can bend uh knowing that my feet are planted firm and so like where are the places where i can um lock in into whether it's my values whether it's like what is that foundation for me that i can like have that strong back with so that i can really hold on to that and know that when i hold on to that it's easier to have a soft front and that ability to bend because you know that your foundation is in the right spot correct gotcha yeah listeners what are y'all gonna do this week tweet at us email us at the at gmail.com let us know what you want to do also if any episode kind of speaks to you or if you have a moment of like ah oh, man i really wanted to mention this about what avatar has has done for my life or what this podcast has done for your life um i don't know if it's done a lot but if it's done something let us know give us a voice memo send us a recording you might hear it on a future episode of bending not breaking um, but we would love to hear your feedback and, and the way that Avatar The Last Airbender has, has shaped you as an individual and the way that you bend um, and not break. Ben, it's been a great week. We'll be back again next week looking uh, at the final episode. Or actually, we've got two more. We should. The Siege of the North Part 1, and we are looking at, at that through a lens of affection. Uh, Ooh, affection. Affection. Um, not affection, but affection. Affection. Um, which there are several different ways that you could even look at that word. Crazy. It's like we picked it for a purpose. Interesting. All right, y'all. Well, I am Sunshine Mayfield. Ben Pruitt here. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank y'all for listening. Goodbye. seems unnecessary. I'm going to leave all this in so Noah can put it in at the end of the episode. Cold close. Just our mic checks every time. I enjoy that on the bloopers that go at the end of the HP Sacred Text ones. Oh, they do that? Mm-hmm. Very they, cool. They always end on a blooper. They're funny.
most of the time. You're funny. Mm, you're right. I am funny. Okay.